Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. We have two songs, two songs that we're going to do. Um, and I'm kind of excited about them. We, I, I looked into a particular song. We're going to sing it Sunday night. And when I got to reading about this song, I realized that the story for this song actually sparked two songs. Those two songs are, um, give me a thumbs up if you've heard these, tell me the old, old story, and I love to tell the story. All right, I don't know if Dwight's in here, but I want to show you my cool cup. Dwight likes to see my cup. Um, but, um, so those are the two songs, um, they are sparked by, written by, um, different individuals, a, a lady by the name of Catherine Hankey, um, is the author of a poem, all right? She was born in 1834 in London, England. Um, to a wealthy English bank banker, not baker, banker, all right? Um, nothing is known much about how she came to know the Lord. But, you know, if, if, you're, if you're teenagers, if you're children um, listening to this, if my nieces and nephews are in there, I want you to pay close attention. Um, this young lady, early in her life, developed a very a, a evangelical-type zeal and... Um, started a Bible class for the girls in her neighborhood, all right? So she held this Bible class for the girls that she lived around, some of her friends, some of the younger ones that around, and she was a young lad as well. In her late teens, all right, um, she began organizing Sunday school for girls in London, and not only did she teach these girls on a weekly basis, but she also started to write and publish poems and even gospel tracts so that she could hand them out to her students, if you will, the those that were coming. She uh, was really into evangelism. This, as a young teenager, she was very supportive of foreign missions. Now, I want to stop there for a quick second because um, I want to just say that I think our young children are a great resource that we overlook. We get so caught up in forcing, making sure that they're sitting at a table and listening, which is super important. Don't get me wrong. I'm Sunday school guy, right? One of my children in Sunday school. But we forget that they have the ability to reach 
children their young their age or younger we should be seeing our young men and women serving the lord in some capacity and i love this this story here these two great songs were were written by a young lad um, now she wrote this a little bit later on if i remember correct but she started as a young girl teaching younger girls the story now what does that mean that means we got to make sure our children know the bible they got to be in sunday school and be taught but we also what does that mean we got to give them the opportunity to as children give back okay um it's very important that they sit under tutelage but it's also very important that they learn to serve we notice a great gap between teenagers and adults to where they're gone in our churches today because we haven't We've taught them to sit and listen, not to stand and serve, okay? And, and they're both very, very important, but I digress. Um, Catherine and her father belonged to a very influential group called the Clapham Sect, all right? They are wealthy evangelical Anglicans. And um, what these people were is it was a group of politicians or wealthy people that um, were very spiritual, that were re really Christ-minded, and they in England actually led the uh, movement to abolish the save the save trade the slave trade in England. All right. So even as a young child, she was really you know a, a social justice in the, in a good sense uh, warrior. All right. Um, in her thirties, um, so it does say here in her thirties she became seriously ill. All right. She got really really bad sick. So during this period of recovery is when she wrote this poem, all right? This poem is called The Old, Old Story. And this it's this very long poem about Jesus. It consists of two main parts, all right? The first part is called The Story Wanted, and she wrote that in January of 1866. The second part of the poem is entitled The Story Told. And it was re it was written in November um, of eighteen sixty six. Um, the the first poem the the completed poem was published in eighteen sixty seven. Of which, when it was published, um, she really was not identified as the author of this poem. And this is a, a really cool thing because so many times people want to stand up and get that pat on the back. For the things that they've done and here is this young girl this teenager who's serving the lord and then in her 30s becomes very ill and she just writes her heart she just writes this poem out of her heart right and so she writes this and so this poem goes along for a while well this poem is what sparks these two these two songs the first song tell me the old old story was taken from the first eight stanzas um, of this this poem um, it was written by a fellow by the name of William H Doan um, who also composed the music for the hymn and published the song and um, he then we move on to the second part um, I love to tell the story was adapted from the words of the second part of her song and this was composed and written by a fellow by the name of William G. Fisher. Um, so you have these two stories 
we read that um, Kate Hinckley died May 9th of 1911. She really wasn't accredited as the author of this poem till later on in her life. It looks like uh, um, in 1879, there was some stuff published where she finally got the credit. But you and I both know that credit is given when it's when God, when we get to heaven. All right. She wrote these poems. She wrote this poem out of her heart. And, and I love this fact that these two songs um, are they come from a girl who started as a very young. I picture if she's here, I picture an, an Emma age, uh, you know, or, or a Reagan age. I picture a, a, you know, a younger individual starting these classes, these teachings, and then they move into a um more of a teen type, like, um, you know, Callie or, or, or Olivia. And I say that because I just saw my nieces and nephews, so they're fresh on my brain, all right? Um, so, you know, pre-teen to teen type adolescents serving God, um, of which they can do. And so years down the road, she writes this, this poem that then several people pick up and turn into these great songs. And, um, you know, I'm sure many, many of you, know this particular have heard these songs um, if you're there Sunday night and to hear Cody preach you'll get to hear one of these songs so what I want to do is um, I want to I just want to kind of talk about these these songs just kind of what it um, what kind of come to my mind when I was reading over these songs and looking into some of this stuff um, one of the things that I, you know, I kind of want to just say is as I grow wiser in my years, I find more things that touch my heart than used to. Okay. I, I'm just going to say, don't share this with everybody. All right. Cause it, it will ruin my macho-ness. Okay. But I find myself watching TVs and seeing suddenly, uh, you know, feel this kind of stir in my heart. Like, when I see a, a soldier returning home and, you know, the children or the wife is hugging on him and loving on him, uh, you know, I, I find that there are times when, you know, the, the, the hero of the story breaks in and saved his loved ones. And, you know, there's that great moment of they were about to die and now they're saved and all is well kind of stuff going on of course when a child who is lost or kidnapped is reunited with their parents you know i i, I find myself kind of my heart kind of a little tugging going on there stuff that never would have happened back you know long 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 time ago um, i do remember back in the day seeing my dad and my mom and several other people as they sing i would notice a tear in their eye or emotion in their voice or my Preachers, when they preach, my dad and my papa and, and whatnot, um, I, I, I see that um, th th there was this emotion, this tug, and you know, in church services or in singing types, and, and I never quite understood it. And, and nowadays, I start to see it. Um, what really gets me nowadays are... Um, songs that I hear about what Christ did for me. And that's kind of like the first song there. 
what really gets my my heart pumping, my strings being tugged, or when I when I hear about Jesus on the cross and how because of his love he died for me and how he came to this earth from heaven when he didn't need to. You know, that gospel story, that old, old story of Jesus and his love. Um, those those bring a tear to my eye because it breaks my heart to know that I drove him to that cross. Um, you know, I, I'm growing closer in my walk to really feel sorrow for what I did to him in the life that I used to live that forced those nails into his hand. The other thing that really tugs at my heart that really gets joy in my step as I grow older is hearing about glory, hearing about the day that I get to go home and songs about heaven. That's something I didn't really grasp when I was, uh, you know, in my early 20s and thought that I was bulletproof and, you know, invincible. Now in my, you know, mid 40s, I realize that even though I am still continually getting more handsome as I get older, that I'm not nearly as invincible as I once thought that I was. Um, age, I'm aging well, I'm just not as strong and sturdy as I used to be. So when I hear about and sing about or, or hear sermons, that's what really gets to me, uh, you know, about heaven. Those really, really tug at my heart. Really brings tears to my eyes, joy, or or leap to my step, or, or or whatever. How about an amen? Can I get an amen about heaven and salvation? There we go. That's a little thing I added for you guys. Okay. Um. So these two songs, what they did is these two songs brought to me two questions. Two questions that I want to ask you guys today. Uh, the first verse we're going to be in is in Matthew chapter six, and I want to ask you today, number one question is, do we hunger to hear the old story? Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. At the start of my journey of this surgery that I had, I had to go through some serious dietary changes. And in that, I hungered. Listen, I still struggle with hunger. I don't care what they say. I still struggle with hunger. But I had to train myself and change what I ate in order that this surgery would be a help and it wouldn't ultimately fail. Um, they constantly put it in our heads over and over that this surgery is not a fix, but it's a tool. Right? It's a tool that is given to me to better my health to help me so i had to change what i ate what i craved what i hungered for i had to find things that are, were more nutritious things that were better for me that were sustaining and, and and not empty what they call empty calories or an empty fill i had to change and and desire to where i now not i try not to hunger for the bad things i hunger for the good things and it's for the betterment it is for me to be better and healthier. The same thing here. All right. We must hunger for righteousness so that we, by growing closer to Christ, we hear and do and desire the healthy 
things that God has to offer us. And we do so by hearing the story of what he did for us on the cross, how he loved us so that we should be moved by his words and songs to betray this. This should be our hunger, our desire. If we're desiring the things of the world, then we are desiring things that aren't healthy for us. Yeah, they may taste good, but they're not healthy for us. They don't do us any good. First um, Peter 2 verse 2 tells us that we must grow properly. Okay, there is a way to grow. Now, you know, I'm going to throw this out here. Um, salvation is key. That's the beginning. Everything else makes doesn't matter until you get salvation first. But you, you, you're drawn to the salvation aspect of it by hearing the old, old story. But once salvation comes, we are expected to grow. We're not, we don't, you know, it's cute when our children are newborns and we feed them their bottles and change their diapers and we cart them around and put them in these nice little clothes. At 16, yeah, you probably aren't wanting to change those diapers anymore on a 16-year-old teenager, right? Okay, probably not so excited about them you know re making messes and and you know you're, you're more yelling at them for a spill than all oh, isn't that cute we expect our children to grow and to mature and become responsible the same thing is that here in our journey here we should desire to grow first peter 2 2 says as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Here's again, we should hunger, we should desire um, to grow and to be better and, and, and to become what God calls us to be. Not this out of shape old man that I was coming, becoming because I was eating unhealthy and doing things that were bad for my body. I had to make a change. We are the same way. We are to hunger or desire to love the things of God. At one point in my life, I, I didn't desire righteousness like so many I knew did. Um, if I went to church, it, it really didn't bother me the lifestyle that I had lived or was living so much. Um, if I heard a story when I heard the stories or the old, old story, it really didn't bother me all that much my study life my prayer life my my reading my witnessing my you know my working my fruits that just wasn't really on the top of my list and I spent a lot of time coming and going to church because I had parents that would bug me about it um, amen all right parents that make you go to church that's a good thing we should desire the things of God, the milk, and moving on into the meat. We should desire righteousness. I would question the fact that, and I did in my own life, why, why didn't I not desire these things? I knew. I was raised in a good Christian home. I knew what the lifestyle was supposed to live. Why didn't I desire that? Why didn't I do what I was supposed to do? Why didn't I want that on a regular basis? It should make us question. Listen, if you're okay with living a lifestyle of the world, you ought to be scared. 
Now, we're not perfect. I'm not saying that you're lost or any of that kind of stuff. What I'm saying is if you don't hunger at some point for the things of God, it ought to make you question where you are in your journey with God. The verse then comes back. I, I learned in my in my journey of this study about the empty carbs, the stuff that gave me this sense of satisfaction. Rice, rice is bad for me. Pasta is bad for me. Bread is bad for me. I know those in the Baptist realm saying that's almost like cussing. Okay, I know a bunch of people are like, oh my goodness, he said bread was bad for me. They gave me a sense of satisfaction without actually giving me satisfaction. Matthew 5, 6, when we go back to Matthew 5, 6, what does he say? That verse tells us that blessed those that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. If you thirst for righteousness, righteousness will be what fills you, for they shall be filled. The true way to be filled is to fill yourself with the, with the nutritious things. In my case, it was better food for me. Hunger and thirst for righteousness is what gives us the true satisfaction of serving God's way. You see, there's that missing spot in a lot of people's lives because they're not seeking, they're not hungering for the righteousness of God. Oh, my battery's dying. I forgot to plug my thing in. There we go. Sorry about that. Um, they're not seeking. Listen, yes, the cotton candy church gospel that's taught in so many churches today is tastes amazing. All right. And there is zero aftertaste. Cotton candy is awesome. But in the end, it will leave you empty and with rotten teeth. Listen, there is something about the righteousness of God that is filling, that takes you down a path that is not easy, that is super hard, that will cause you to make hard decisions and, and bring you life lessons that no one should ever have to go through. But I promise there's a joy in serving God. And most of you in here today have gone through hard times and can come back with testimony after testimony and testimony out of, out of staying true to the hunger for God's righteousness, no matter what the rest of the world is saying or doing or acting like, can talk about how filling that truly is. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after the righteousness they shall be filled. Now, I'm going to do this a little different because there's two songs here. I, that first song was about what we just talked about, how you should hunger and desire to hear about the story of Christ. That should charge you up like, woohoo, all right? should be happy about those things. So that song is Tell Me the Old, Old Story. And it reads like this. Tell me the old, old story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love tell me the story simple as to the as to a little child for I am weak and weary 
and helpless and defiled. Tell me the story slowly that I may take it in. That wonderful redemption, God's remedy for sin. Tell me the story often, for I forget so soon. The early dew of morning has passed away at noon. Tell me the story softly with earnest tones and grave. Remember, I'm the sinner whom Jesus came to save. Tell me the story always, if you would really be in any time of trouble and comfort to me. Tell me the old story when you have cause to fear. That is the world's empty glory is costing me too dear. Yes, and when the world's glory is dawning on my soul, tell me the old, old story, Christ Jesus makes thee whole. Tell me the old, old story. Tell me the old, old story. Tell me the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Listen, when you're going through a hard time, when you're seeking the things of the world, when you don't know which way to turn, when people are telling you to turn other directions, you get back into seeking the old, old story. You read, you listen to someone preach about the saving grace and what Christ did. You you read about the tomb and the death and the burial and the resurrection. You read about the love and the mercy that he has offered to you. Brothers and sisters, I promise you that will help you get through what you're going through. Tell, listen, hear Hunger, hunger for righteousness. Listen to that old, old story. The next question that I want to ask you is, do you hunger, do I hunger to tell that old, old story? Now, we, we'll jump over to Acts chapter 4. And Acts chapter 4 is a big old long story, um, a, a, an awesome story, a story that you should uh, hop into, you should listen to, you should go back and read it over. Um, Acts is an amazing book. We taught taught it in Sunday school for a long time. I love the book of Acts. It's really cool. But um, here is a, a story of early persecution of the church. All right? um, it's a very cool story that grew out of the desire to desire Christ's righteousness. And the actions resulting from this came from that hunger to tell the story. An overwhelming, despite the hardships, desire to tell the story of Jesus and his love. Every chance they got to tell the story, they did so. So the first four verses, and I'm not going to read all these verses. Go back tonight. Make that your reading of this of this evening tonight. Um, but the first four verses start out with Peter and John um, telling about the love of Christ. All right, they're witnessing. They're out sharing the gospel. Um, they're arrested and they're imprisoned. The beautiful part about this is we are told that even though that their hands were laid on them and they were put away, that there, because of what they were doing, 5,000 came to know the Lord. 5,000 individuals 
came to know Jesus Christ. Because these two men, despite of what was going on in that period of time, decided it was more important because they loved to tell the story of what Jesus did for them. And that's what they did. They didn't preach something they had no idea about. They didn't make up stories. This was what Christ had done for them. Verses 5 through 7, they brought before and questioned by the high priest. And the question that is asked is by what power or by what name have you done this, right? Well, the next set of verses, 8 through 12, is Paul, because of his love for Christ, and it talks about him being filled with the Holy Spirit, is compelled in verses 10 through 12 to tell the story of Jesus and his sacrifice for salvation, all right? Verses 10 through 12 says, and this is this is him responding. He says, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, and I love how he does that, ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. He's saying, because of what Christ did, I stand here before you. He'd love to tell that story. He says, this is, this is the stone which was set at naught of your builders, which is because become the head of the corner. Neither is there any salvation in any other, for there is none under the name of heaven given among men, whereby ye, whereby we must be saved. He said, there's an amen right there in that one. Paul preached the gospel to these priests, these guys who should have known, should have been seeing Christ, standing there, arrested in a hard time, waiting a, a, you know, to, to be sentenced. He stands there and says, by Christ's name I stand here. And by what Christ did on the cross, even though you sacrificed him, you, you put him on that cross, I am here, crucified him. I am here because of what he did. I stand here before you because Paul loved to tell that story. The disciples loved to tell the story of Jesus Christ, and it cost them everything. Landed them in jail, cost them a whole poor Paul. Man, that guy was, you want to talk about a, a getting whooped on a regular basis. So we fast forward here. Um, you guys can make that fast forward sound for me. Fast forward to verse 17. What we have here is that um, they he was threatened, right? It says, but it was spread no further among the people. Let us strangely threaten him that they may speak henceforth to no man in this name. So they come to him and they threaten him. They say, if you go to church, you're, you're going to jail, Right? We hear some of that stuff nowadays, right? No, the council threatens him, tells them that if we threaten them, they'll stop telling this story of Jesus Christ. But their answer should ring true because it shows their desire to seek his righteousness. It drives them to not only be able to tell the story of Jesus, no matter if the government or high authority threatens to stop them this desire 
to tell that story, this love to tell the story will propel you to do things that normal man would cower from. It will cause you to take a stand when others will sit down and capitulate, if that's the right term. See, telling, loving to tell the story of Christ will make a weak man strong. Because we do so by the power of Christ. Just like he said, Peter said at the very beginning, in Christ's authority. In what name do we come? We come in Christ's name with his authority because we love to tell the story. What is that story? That is the story that he said prior to before this, crucified, dead, resurrected for our sakes. That is what he says. He answers. He is threatened. He stands here in verses in 19 and 20. And this, this tells you his desire. But Peter and John, this is not just Peter. This is Peter and John, says, answered and said unto them. I can just imagine them looking at each other. And they said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but, but, big but, we cannot but speak the things which have seen, we have seen and heard. They cannot but share that old story because they have seen it. They have heard it. They have understood it. They know what happened on the cross. They know of the resurrection of the risen Savior. They cannot but speak the truth because it is their desire. They love to hear the story. They love to tell the story, which forces them to, I have no other thing. You can beat me. You can break me. You can talk bad about me. You can run me out of town, but I have to tell the story of Jesus and his love. I have no choice but to tell the story. If we do not see or hear, we cannot speak. If we do not love to hear the old story, then we will never tell of that old story either. Listen, if we don't love the things of God, that's why it is super important to fill your heart, to fill your ears and your eyes and your life with things of the righteousness of God, because the things of the world will drive you away like that. Brothers and sisters, I've been there. I've done it. I know what the world offers, and I know how far it will take you. I'm not going to go into that until mom and dad log off, but I'm telling you right now, and don't go asking my brother either, all right? Can't ask him or my sister. They'll lie to you about it. Listen, love to tell the story. If you don't love to hear the story of Jesus Christ, and if you don't love to tell the story of Jesus Christ, I beg of you to hit your knees before this broadcast is over. Cry out to the Lord, why God do I not love? Now listen, we're going to fall. We're going to falter. We're going to dig into some stuff that we shouldn't sometimes, but our ultimate love, the closer we get to God, ought to be to hear and tell of that wonderful, beautiful, amazing story of Jesus and his love. I'm going to end with the song, the second song, the last song. I love to still tell the story. 
by Catherine Hankey goes like this. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know tis true. It satisfies my longings and nothing else can do. I love to tell the story. More wonderful it seems than all the golden fancies of all our golden dreams. I love to tell the story. It did so much for me. And that is just the reason I tell it now to thee. I love to tell the story. Tis pleasant to repeat what seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. I love it. I'm getting teary eyed just reading this. I love to tell the story, for some have never heard the message of salvation from God's holy word. I love to tell the story, for those who knew it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. And when in scenes of glory, I sing the new, new song. Twill be the old, old story that I've loved so long. I love to tell the story. Twill be my theme and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Listen, I want to say this. I want to say to the to young ones out there, Take a cue from this this young lady. All right, know the word of God. Share the word of God. You can, as preteens and teenagers, be effective. You can reach people that I'll never be able to reach. Do not let anyone keep you down from sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with those around you and everyone else here. Do you hunger to hear the word of God? And do you hunger to tell that old, old story? I'll leave you guys with that. I love you. I miss you. We'll be having church Sunday. You're more than welcome to come out. Social distancing rules will apply. Uh, we will have plenty of stuff going on. Song services are back up and going. Um, so the rest of you, 